This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 62 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we share tips on tack cleaning. Tigapedia focuses on feeding mares during their heat cycle. Critter nutrition is all about poultices. And in Coffee Clatch, we ask, what exotic animal would you add to your family? Listen in. So, Patty P., now that you have moved back to Virginia, how's life in the new house? Or, Well, you know, it, it's in the new, you know. In the new inter- um, internet-less house. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Today, when I, um, part of the reason I chose where I am is it's a beautiful, beautiful house. It's, um, I think it's like late 1700s. So it's a very typical Virginia um, farm, you know, old farmhouse. Um, and it's been completely redone and it sits in the middle of 200 just beautiful acres and they're, um, farming fields all around it. So, um, and it was close to the barn. I mean, my number, my number one thing is, is that, you know, I have dogs that I leave at home, so I have to go home and let the dogs out. Or if I want to, you know, chill out for a little bit, if I go back for afternoon lessons, whatever. So I wanted to be close. So that was really the number one thing. And when we drove down this beautiful driveway, um, it's got to be, it's like a quarter of a mile. And it's just right now that's planted in, in wheat. So it's just coming up and it's, oh, about halfway up my truck doors. And it's the straight path to the front door of the house. And it's pretty remarkable. And I walked in and it was at the, you know, it's called Longview, I think Longview, Longview Farm. And there's just a, you know, an old history to it and just, so many neat things, but I didn't consider a couple of things, <laughs> which one was internet. Okay. I just, it, it, it didn't dawn on me. I, I mean, my, I, when I was there, or I had been on the phone, so I, it just didn't even dawn on me that in the middle of nowhere and it takes, you know, it, it, <clears throat> it if, if it's raining, you drive real slow and it doesn't take the 15 minutes. It takes 25 minutes because you're winding, you know, country roads, but I love that part just didn't dawn on me that there wouldn't be any internet. So that's been a huge challenge because everybody says they sell this great high speed internet. We've had lots of discussions about this, but they don't. (laughs) And so we're going to wait and see how that goes. But the other thing that I hadn't done in years was I have to drive the trash to the dump. (laughs) 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 And I really got so happy with how I did my little recycling stuff and how I did, you know, all of mine, I was very proud of myself. And so now I still, it's become, that part's been a little bit more of a challenge. And, um, and um, there, there isn't a garage. So there's two back buildings, which are again, from there. One was a a summer kitchen, which, you know, if you're from this area or anywhere, you know, um, you, you know what the summer kitchens were like, and it's, it's very small. So I can put, put it in there. But you can't you can't have trash cans here because, as we experienced last night, Tigger, a lovely, lovely storm, and it blew 
anything that was on my porch into the wheat field <laughs> and I had to go <laughs> trusting out to find it. So it's, you know, it's a lot of stuff that is different, but I love, I love it. The, the, the dump part and the internet part, um, you know, not so much, but it still has been quite a good adventure. So that part I'm pretty happy with. I'm just happy to be back. I'm really happy to be back. And we're glad to have you back. Well, thank you. It's been, you know, the weather's been terrific so far, except, except for last night. <laughs> but, you know, it's, just, it's great to be back in the area. But you know how cool some of these old houses are. Yeah. Uh, to, well, I live in one. Uh, yeah. And so this one, the lady that owns the property is a, just a wonderful woman um, that owns a really well-known and well-respected dog kennel. And she bought the property because it was up for sale and she was afraid someone was going to try to develop it. So she bought it and restored it. And I mean, she put vaulted wow. ceilings in. And I mean, it's not, it's not huge by any imagination, but it's so funny when you, I think the biggest change for all of us, and this is really what I wanted, is I spend so little time watching TV because we're just sitting on the porch and we're outside. So, yeah. you know, our living room has become the outside. And that's really what I was missing in my life. I mean, I just hated not being able to be outside all the time. And I had a beautiful house and I lived in a very nice neighborhood, but it was just a very small backyard. You know, I was always worried about my dogs barking. I mean, if, you know, no one can hear my dogs barking. In fact, if they have to bark in the morning over the turkeys gobbling, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty cool. Okay. I have just one pretty question, cool. Patty. What? Having having lived in, having grown up and lived in assorted old, old houses, what is your mm-hmm. haunting potential? Oh, huh, it's funny because this, this, this house comes with quite a cool story. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, um, I mean, I definitely believe in that kind of stuff to a certain extent, but I don't, I don't know. I just never think about stuff like that. So, so um, potential, do you, are you, um, are you suspicious of curtains that move in the breeze or do you have um, pipes that are awfully noisy when the pipes shouldn't be? <laughs> no, no. You know, it's funny. I, I guess I just, I walked into that place um, and feel it and felt very much at home. It's funny because it, like I said, this place, the two, these two back buildings that kind of look like they would be tobacco buildings, but one was a summer kitchen and one, I guess, maybe was a tobacco building. And they're side by side. One's a little bit bigger than the other one. When we're, you know, she was telling us about the house, the people that owned the house at one point, the husband had died. The woman was pregnant with, I think, with her fourth child. And in those days, that was quite a catastrophe. But on a neighboring plantation or farm, the kids, there was, I guess, six kids and um, the parents died of both died of pneumonia and the girls were farmed out to other family members and there were two boys and the two boys came to live with the woman that was in my house that I live in and they lived in this little shack in the back oh, wow. and wow. so like I kept thinking it's just such great history you know and yeah. I thought about that because I was telling my son you know about the whole thing and you know he of course doesn't want to even talk about that sort of haunting thing so I don't really feel anything from that house at all. But I will tell you, the house that I moved from Keswick, this is interesting. A lady used to come and help me with my son. And um, she told me, and I was actually in Houston doing a clinic, and she said she was just sitting down, you know, watching TV after she had put Ray to bed. And she said, the lights turned off. And she went back over and turned the lights on, and she sat down, and they turned off again. Oh, no! And I'm like, 
Yeah, I'm like, and that was a that was a new house compared to this. So I was like, yeah, I don't I don't want to know that. Please don't tell me that. <laughs> I never saw anything like that though. So, wow. so yeah, but I th- whatever whatever things have happened in that house, I think there it, it's just a very peaceful, very peaceful oh, cool. place to be. Cool. Yeah. So you know, it's a new adventure. It's definitely a new adventure, and um, some things have been challenging, but they're challenging in kind of a, a fun way. So, um, well, that's the way it should be, but except, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, there hasn't, I, there's been no point where I have thought, Ooh, what have I done? I mean, at all. I mean, I like where I live. Uh, the, the woman that I train out of her barn, who's a, just a wonderful friend of mine, she said, Oh, I feel so bad. Maybe we should have looked at some, you know, some other places. And because when we went, there was a direct road to this house, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course they decided to fix a road that makes the direct line from the barn to my house. Well, that road's been closed since I've gotten here. So I have to go left out of my way. But, but, you know, once I don't have to do that, I'm going to be real happy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But I mean, that like, uh, that again is a challenge, but it's sort of fun challenge. I mean, I'm driving down these beautiful roads and I get to see this little white pony every day when I'm driving to the barn. And my daughter had come from Roanoke to stay with me for a week and the first, you know, time we're driving in, it was probably about eight o'clock and the sun was out and this pony was flat out. And I'm like, Hannah, it's dead. It's dead. She goes, Mom, it's sleeping. That's what horses do in the country when they have lots of room. They sleep. And I was like, okay, okay. And I was like, truly pan. It's, it's a country really pony. It's, it's not a fun. city pony. Right. It's a country bumpkin pony. And it's fine. So on the way home that afternoon, sure enough, it was up. And so the next day headed to the barn flat out again at the same time. And I just looked at her. I said, I'm really going to have to get used to this. She goes, you got to let it go. So, um, but just, you know, um, it's just been, I've seen more rabbits than I can even like, you know, mention, but just, you know, all of these wonderful horses because the grass is so green right now and it's just still such beautiful weather. And that's been fun. But the, the funniest part of all of this move is, you know, today it was definitely a little bit hotter than it's probably been for most people. And everybody's like, Oh my gosh, it's so hot. I'm like, I have a jacket on. <laughs> this is not hot. You have no idea. Just telling you. But it's all been good. So, well, we have that. a really great show coming up. We do. We do. Can't wait. We've got lots of good stuff. I'm excited. So, let's let's get on with the show and get into tackling because we know that's one of your favorite things, Patty P. <laughs> Indeed it is. <laughs> so let's do it. And we're we're having a roundtable discussion today on tack cleaning and our favorite tack cleaning products. Patty, I know you are a a tack cleaning uh, policewoman. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. I am. That's a good way to say it. I think um, I'm training new people right now, and I think they're like, wait, you do what? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> yeah. I am. I have a lot, I have a lot of little things that I like to do. So can you, you know, what do you do? I would love to share with you. I, um, okay. So I, okay. Everybody just sit down, put their feet up. Um, because I, because I, you know, ride my horses every day. Um, I am a big advocate. I mean, some people, you know, don't, um, do their saddles every day. I, have always been from the school of thought that I'm going to take care of it every day and wipe the sweat off because 
chances are, you know, they're going to get dirty in some way. So as far as saddles, because I do saddles completely different than what I'm going to do a bridal. But as far as saddles, I wipe them down every day. I do not use any saddle soap on it because I was told by a very uh, good saddle person to not use saddle soap, but to use, just wipe it down with water, you know, every day, get all the sweat off. And then <laughs> once a week, uh, leader balsam it. And I actually, what leader balsam is. well, leader balsam is sort of a, it's it's, beeswax. Okay. It, yeah, it's kind of beeswax and it's a, sort of a grease and it helps condition the saddle. And I had been told by um, one saddle company, and I really do like this idea. I get a very soft, I mean, super, super, super soft brush. And about once a month, I'll just make circles, very soft rotations. And they said that helps keeps the pores open. And I find, because I like my saddles to have a little bit of a stickiness to them to help me stay in the saddle. And, you know, and obviously now with all the silicone britches and all the things that they do, you know, a lot of people don't need that, but I really don't like my saddles to be slippery. I like, you know, I like them to be a little tacky. And and I never, and I don't ever condition the billet straps. I just wipe, wipe that down with water and then, you know, I put them up and, and I only do um, the leader bossum once a week. And um, for bridles, I always, you know, clean the bits off completely. And I get, I put Vaseline on the corners of their mouth. So I always make sure the bit is nice and clean in the, in the ring. If it's not an egg butt, an egg butt bit is the one that's stationary and a loose ring is the one that moves. So I make sure that's nice and clean. And I take all the keepers out once a week and really wash under there because the, cause I do use saddle soap on my bridles, but I always make sure you just want to check your tech. And this is part of the reason, I mean, I've had so many crazy tack things happen to me where I'm, you know, cantering along and a bridle falls off, you know, so it gives you an opportunity to keep checking all the stitching and whatnot. And I'll go over it with, um, some saddle soap and, um, and then I wipe it down with a, um, just a wet towel to make sure the soap and residue isn't there and just make sure it's nice and clean. What do you do? What do you do? (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) Well, it's, I have a lot of synthetic tack now, which actually Mm. offers up its own, challenges because you don't want to use anything that's got any oil residue on synthetic tack because it's bad for the finish. And I've not had, oh, the, yeah. yeah, I've not had the courage to put it in the dishwasher or the washing machine, which are both very popular options, believe it or not. Wow. Really? Okay. Yes. Um, because once the sweat and grime gets into the, I'm going to call it pores, but they're not really pores, but the bio beta biothane that most riding tack is made out of has a little bit of a texture to it, just like leather would. And once the grind mm-hmm. gets into that, it's really hard to get out. And I have discovered the joy of the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. Oh, yeah. yeah that's it. I, I use I that love in the it. house. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just ordered some from Amazon. Got them today. <laughs> I, buy them by the, I buy them by the bulk now because we use them in the house and the barn. And I started using them on the bits because it's great for getting the Baked on oh, stuff off of bits because I don't like oh, using soap wow. on bits. I like to just use water, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I yeah, started with too. the bits, me and too. then I I said, well, you know, I've got nothing to lose. I can't get the the grime off my reins. And lo and behold, mm-hmm. it made a big difference. So there we go. I use uh, I use that. Cool. For my boots, I am absolutely in love with the Warhorse soap for my boots. Oh, me yeah. too. Because it's it's so because on my boots that's really nasty. Do you and, use the leather cleaner, Warhorse yeah, leather cleaner? I use yeah. the leather cleaner, and it just melts the grime. Yeah. It gets, ooh, and it gets ooh. right where the zippers are, you know, and it just gets ground in there, and it's gnarly. Oh, I'm going to have to get that. Yeah, Warhorse is, is what I use on the boots, and it, it doesn't 
I like the I like the finish it leaves on them when they're when you're done. You know, my boots don't get polished and, and made super shiny because I'm not into that. But it makes them clean and it it just melts it away. I don't have to scrub all day long. I've because I tried a couple of different kinds of regular glycerin saddle soap, and it takes mm-hmm. the surface stuff off. It, it does. It didn't take the deep it down does. grime off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and then it, it like, well, I know this is synthetic, but that's the big thing is that it really can kind of clog the pores too. Yeah, but, um, so I, I, I was really like into the Warhorse. Yeah. Um, another bit, another bit trick that I've used for years and years, uh, nothing irritates me more than a squeaky bit. And mm-hmm. a lot of bits, you buy them right off the shelf, they squeak. They, you buy them and they squeak. And that makes me crazy. Yeah. So what I do is set myself a little pan of olive oil in the sunshine and sit the bit inside of it. And let the oil oh. go into the little hinges in there. Huh. Ha, 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 ha. No You're more so squeaky smart. bit. Oh. Yeah. So smart. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Cool. Yeah. And uh, my favorite leather conditioning product, because I like my leather soft, uh, bordering on mm-hmm. sticky. That's my thing. Uh, is yeah. is Belvoir Leather Balsam because it smells so dang wonderful. <laughs> it it It's no oh, more so or funny. less effective than any other conditioner, but it just smells fantastic. So I use it. I get it. I bought totally. I love. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I I have, there's one other product that I will use and I'll put, I use them on my boots or on halters or whatever is it. This is such a blast from the past, but you know, horsemen's one step. Never. Oh my God. Do they still make that? Yes, they still make it. It's the one, it's the, it's the one step product that that does a lot of things poorly. Yes. I have a big bucket of it. Absolutely. I love it. I mean, and I used to, I used to do my, I, I shamefully, I used to do all of my bridles and stuff in it. And I will say this, I was thinking about this because I was down at, you know, the old farm uh, Tigger not too long ago. And I used to get that big, what was it must be like a gallon bucket. I did all of my tack and I will tell you, my bridles really always looked quite good. They would get a little gunky, um, but my saddles would become sort of glazed over with it. But I like that for boots. It is nice. Oh for yeah. Boots. Oh yeah. I use that like, like for your boots. working boots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm very familiar with that. We used to use that on Glenn's leather harnesses because it was cheap. Yeah, and you just yeah. dunk. Yeah, your, there's you just, a lot of leather to, to to clean and it was a lot. It was a lot drive. of stuff. So yeah, yeah. So we used to use it there. Yeah. Now, do you do you use any um, special different products or procedures when you are like at horse shows and stuff, and you need to do quick touch ups? Me? Um, no, I keep it. I I keep. I keep my my tack in show condition like every oh, day. Well, you do. Um, just <laughs> yeah, I just I loved I like I just I love my I love but you know I love it just tack. I found that it was just easier to yeah. be in the routine of cleaning tack after you're finished riding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's it, it felt like just sort of a real completion of the session like it wasn't you weren't I completely done agree until you had your tax it's like clean. you make your bed yeah, yeah. yes exactly. yeah exactly. exactly and i yeah exactly i'm a make my bed everyday type of girl so i that makes sense to me i don't know i totally agree with you tigger it just sort of is like okay it is now complete you know i don't have any tack to clean anymore other than some leather halters and stuff but um I am really loving Warhorse Tack Cleaner. It's kind of one step to, for the 21st century. You oh, know, cool. it cleans and conditions. And I, I definitely, if I was riding, I, I would use that 
daily and then do the leader balsam, you know, do a Castile soap and leader balsam once a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to definitely have to get some of the saddle soap because that sounds like, because I love the it, way that it smells. Well, not only that, but you get, you do get the conditioning of it every single day. That's awesome. Which is awesome. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I found that it didn't dry out the leather as much as glycerin saddle soap. Glycerin exactly. saddle soap, mm-hmm. if you, when you clean it a lot because it's really, really dirty, um, I found that I oh, had to condition more fly. frequently. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, one, I got one more quiz question for everybody. And this will, I'll ask Tigger first, so I'll make her go first. Uh, you might not wear uh, riding boots anymore, but when you were showing, uh-huh. boot polish or the old-fashioned kind that you had to put on and buff or the instant kind? Old-fashioned kind. Of course. And mm-hmm. Patty? Well, about, I don't know how many years ago, Tigger bought me for Christmas this boot shining kit. which The I Shannon Peters. Now, uh-huh. And it really... And it's old fashioned, but it is, um, it's, it's kind got of a, everything you why. need in a, oh, for boots. It, it is. And I used the last of it probably about, um, well, my last show and it has such a shine in those boots, Tigger. I mean, I, um, there, so I, it's old fashioned, but it was it, the old fashioned way you do it. But there's something about what Shannon did with the products that she used that made it, but uh, it's a high gloss that they look like patent leather boots. Yeah. They look patent. Um, like Cause I don't really like the patent. I don't want patent leathers. I don't think, but my boots are that shiny. Like they, there's just a difference. So, and I love that. I love doing my boots. That's like, I love that, that thing. But I, I have, I have absolutely used the one step ones on the foot. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. the, around the foot. Especially the toe. The, uh, the toe. Because yes. it always gets yes. scuffed. Yes. Have yes. either have either of yeah. you ever tried a product called Urad? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, I discovered yeah. that a few yeah. years back. And when you're in a hurry, that's a real godsend. That's a, a good oh, one. Oh, it is. Yeah. When you you don't yeah, have time to polish. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it can it can give you a little bite in the butt too because if you get that anywhere, that stuff you don't think you have it on your fingers, and then you touch your face and you go, <laughs> <laughs> you go to talk to somebody and they're like looking at you funny, and you go into the bathroom and you're like, oh yeah, that doesn't look good. You have black all over it. Yeah, go with uh, neutral people. That I ever Always use neutral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay, they work well, great for good. that. Urod works great on cowboy boots. Oh, there we go. You know that you that you don't. Oh. You know because. I, I don't know. I've never polished cowboy boots, but I mean, I know lots of people do, but I just get out the urad and shine them right up and go out dancing. Oh, wow. I want to see you. pictures. <laughs> I want to see pictures of your cowboy yeah. boots. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see pictures of you I dancing. I have quite I a collection. <laughs> and you know, what's interesting in Wellington this year, they had a shoeshine guy who I've never oh, seen they? before. Yep. And yeah. he was there all season and man, he was in demand. You know, Raj would finish a for the day, and they'd you know be walking their boots over to him and pick them oh, up the wow. next morning. And oh, wow. yep, what a cool idea! I thought that was really what, cool. yeah, it is a good idea. So those are the hundred jumpers, some, not dressage people, right? Sorry, it was dressage. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Sweet. So, um, for our listeners, if you've got some great tack cleaning ideas or products to use. You know, drop us a note on HealthyCrittersRadio.com or on Facebook, Healthy Critters Radio. And now, Hedwig! Hedwig! 
You got the whole family there. Yes, we are all here. That's me in the background barking loudest. <laughs> of course. Of course it is. How are you feeling, Hedwig? Are you settled in at home? Because Tickle told me you're being kidnapped by Glenn. <laughs> For vacation. For vacation, yes. yes. He's kidnapping me and hauling me off to vacation. Okay, well, send him off to get it, or he might be very dangerous. I'll keep my I'll keep my guard up. I will. Okay, because you know I would hate you for anything to happen to you. We wouldn't want that. <laughs> we'll be okay. All right, I'll be concerned. <laughs> well, I'll take any time. Need me to jetpack in and save you. Thank you. Because <laughs> you're a superhero dog. Yes. You are. Da, da, da. Da, da, yeah. Da. And because you're a superhero, Hedwig, and you're a caring Hedwig, we had an important question for you. Okay. Self-driving cars have been in the headlines of late. And you're a, you're a worldwide traveler, Hedwig. And we want to know where you weigh in on self-driving cars. I think they're a terrible idea on every possible level. They sort of reflect the very depths of human stupidity that I have come to. Let's back up for a moment to appreciate the complete idiocy of this plan. So, a human programmed a computer to respond the way the human would. Oh, great. That'll go well. So, the human apparently taught the computer things, and then the computer is supposed to learn from experience. With what? Other humans? I mean, really, the only self-driving car that I can even fathom trusting my personage to would be one piloted and programmed by a Pomeranian. Of course. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, we knew that was coming. Programmed by a Pomeranian on cheese. How could I not have seen that coming? (laughs) Stupid Patty, stupid Patty. So does that mean that you won't be getting into any Uber self-driving cars in the future? I do not get into Uber anyway. Oh. Okay. We're no, anti-Uber? deeply offended by Uber. It's a deeply disturbing company. What with its misogynist history and the fact that it has systematically deprived New York City cab drivers of a means of making a living. Uh, you are for every man. You you do have that yeah. every quality about you. Well, yes. I want everyone. And she to obviously her. reads. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point that out. <laughs> Good for you, honey. And it's probably the New York Times. You know? Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say. But <laughs> well, thank you, Hetty. Thank you, Hetty. We feel so much better. Knowing that you are keeping, you've got our back when it comes to self-driving cars. We appreciate it. Yep. I'm here to serve no one. Really, I'm here to serve. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye, Hedy. Thanks, Hedy. Goodbye. Bye, Hedy. So we are now at the Tigopedia portion of our show where we get to ask Tigger questions. And 
this week I kind of went around the barn and wanted to ask some people what they wanted to ask. And the prevailing question was, how do you suggest to, to feed a mare during their heat cycle? So if if it's a mare that just cycles pretty normally and there's there are no issues, you don't change anything. Okay. But if it's a mare that gets moody and cranky and, you know, doesn't want to be ridden and sensitive on her sides and all those um, moody mare syn- syndrome, um, mm-hmm. you need to start a week or two before she cycles. And you, what what the mare is actually experiencing is, so, is sort of a form of PMS. And I really really love hemp oil for PMS mares. Oh, okay. Because it's very high in GLA and GLA regulates the prostaglandins and the prostaglandins have a huge role in inflammation during heat cycles. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, 10 days or 14 days before the mare's cycling starter on hemp seed oil, one ounce twice a day. And then at the first signs of that she's now cycling, um, you, you've got to deal with the brain-adrenal-gut connection. So it, okay. it's stressy. It's a stressy time for a mare. The adrenal glands generally are producing more cortisol, and the brain is generally not producing the quiet, calm serotonin, but is often... Um, the angry mode, the leave me alone mode, the, oh my God, I'm spooking at this. Oh my God, I'm spooking at that. So then I, I absolutely put the mare on Theracom because it will reduce the cortisol, increase serotonin and quiet the gut because that's the other really important factor when mares, when moody mares start cycling, it, it, the elevation in cortisol can cause a rise in the production of stomach acid, which is going to increase inflammation in the gut. Which makes sense. Okay. Okay. So do you keep them on all of this throughout their, you know, obviously they stop cycling at some point, but you, you can, do you take them off? Yeah. I mean, as soon as, as soon as the heat cycles over, you can stop the Theracom and the hemp seed oil. And then when, just before it starts up again, Sometimes a mare won't always, she'll have a bad heat cycle where she's really cranky. And Mm -hmm. then with that, when the hemp oil is balancing out the prostaglandins, the next heat cycle, you might not even need it, but you won't know until you, you know, get them on it. They've got to be on it for a couple of weeks and then you stop, you know, maybe do two cycles. And then sometimes that's all you need to do. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, that is, that's, that's a great answer. And I know a lot of people go through this and the, the, all the, the stuff that you've mentioned are Biostar products, which um, they can find online. Um, Biostarus.com. Yay. And the temp oil and uh, Theracomp. So wonderful. Well, thank you, Tiggy. You're welcome, Patty P. Here we are at Critter Nutrition, and today we're going to look at poultices. Poultices have been used for healing for thousands of years. We can consider poultices to be one of the earliest forms of medicine. 
Among the first poultices we know of are mud and clay. I became intrigued with poultices when I was down the rabbit hole studying the published research on soil organisms. Healthy soils have an abundance of beneficial microbes and fungi that share a symbiotic relationship with plants and mammals. Soil is one of the fundamental classic elements described in Chinese, Hindu, Greek, Buddhist, and Japanese systems of medicine, fire, water, earth, and air. It began for me with drinking clay water, which was a whole lot more appealing than the idea of actually drinking dirt. Clay water is made the night before and is consumed the very first thing in the morning, followed by a full glass of water. As a part of my daily regimen for four weeks, it gave a new dimension to, I need caffeine. Surprisingly, clay water is pretty bland, but not the kind of beverage one would serve for brunch. Clay taken internally has what I call a mop-up effect. Because it is negatively charged, it attracts positively charged ions. Edible and external use clays are very alkaline with a pH of average of about 9.7. I figured it was about time I mopped up my GI tract from my younger, wilder years. I didn't have poultices on my radar until the day I tripped in a small, unseen dog hole and fell like a crashing oak to the ground. My knee was twisted, and the torrent of swear words coming out of my mouth in quick succession could probably be entered in the Guinness World Book of Records. I dragged myself into the house, crawled onto the couch. My partner, Peter, applied ice packs and pillows, and I thought, surely, in a few hours, I'd be walking again. Wrong. While all the swelling had come down from the ice packs, I could not bear weight at all on the knee. Then the idea came to me. Earth element. Healing. Poultice. I mixed two different clays, an arnica essential oil and witch hazel. I slathered my knee with a cool, dark mixture, wrapped it in flannel, and waited. When the clay had dried, I reapplied the poultice again, and four hours later, I was able to put weight on the ball of my foot, and the bruising around the knee was considerably less. It was one of those small eureka moments. When I was back to normal about five days later, I set about putting poultice on anything that moved. This included horses, dogs, Peter, cats, an unhappy rooster, and an unsuspecting toad. I even managed a poultice flyby on a hen's leg. It became clear to me that one poultice wasn't going to fit all the various needs of horse and dog owners. There needed to be a specific poultice for legs, muscles, and joints, a specific poultice for wounds, insect bites, hives, and scrapes, and another poultice for feet, abscesses, and hoof packing. Clay is clay, isn't it? That's what I thought until I began researching and testing clays. Where the clay is from, from which clay family it is from, kaolinite, ileite, smectite, or vermiculite, whether it absorbs or adsorbs or both, what mesh it is, what efficacy rating it has, and how it is ultimately prepared as a poultice can significantly affect how effective the poultice is. The adsorbing and absorbing clays, like calcium bentonite, cannot be made with metal, meaning they cannot be mixed in metal or stirred with a metal utensil, as the clay's electromagnetic charge will act on the metal, limiting the clay's ability to draw when applied to the skin. Most commercial poultices are made in big metal drums. FYI.
Essential oils are a whole nother kettle of fish. What grade of essential oil to use? How does arnica oil differ in a glycerin base versus an alcohol base versus an olive oil base? In case you're wondering, yes, I tested all of them. And the answer lies in what actions you want from the essential oil and its carrier. Poultices were once referred to as drawing salves because of the actions that removed or assisted the flow of debris through an opening in the skin via wounds, boils, ulcerations, bites, and abscesses. Poultices increase circulation, which in turn increases oxygen to the area being treated. Poultices that contain smectite clays or glycerin are powerful osmotics that help to remove excess fluid, allowing fresh tissue fluid to circulate into the area, bringing protective blood cells, nutrients, and oxygens to the site. It became apparent to me on the clay journey that for Biostar to provide poultices, the poultices would have to be artisan, that is, made by hand. Commercial poultices are made in stainless steel mixers blended with stainless steel blades, which can reduce the action of the clays. Metal does not render clay useless, but it does reduce the osmotic effects. By committing to artisan poultices, we can stay true to the fundamental basics that ingredients based not on cost, but on the highest available quality and efficacy, eco-consciousness of how the raw material is cultivated, grown, harvested, and prepared, or in the case of clays, how it is, it is extracted, cleaned, and graded. Other kinds of poultices. The ancient Egyptians used honey, tree resin, meat, and lard for poultices. The early Chinese dynasties used specific herbs and foods, carrots, bran, mustard, capsicum, opium, and ginger. In India, the early Ayurvedic practitioners made poultice bags filled with herbs and dipped the bag in warm oil, then massaged the body with the bag. The purpose of this poultice was to increase perspiration and thus a release of toxins. In the 17th centuries, there were porridge poultices and flax meal poultices, On ships, bread or biscuits were used for poultices by combining crumbs from the biscuits with boiling milk and herbs, sumac for sprains and strains, marshmallow and hops to relieve migraines, charcoal or black powder for wounds. Even dried horse manure boiled in urine and applied for gangrious wounds is quoted in a poultice by Mrs. Child in her book, The Family Nurse, published in 1837. American Indians made poultices from clays, various foods, and plants, including roasted onions, pumpkins, bloodroot, and red clover. Potato poultices were common in the 19th and 20th centuries for eye problems such as conjunctivitis. Another popular poultice was comfrey for sprains and strains. Dandelion poultices were used for itchy skin and rashes. Cabbage leaves were applied as poultices for gout, rheumatism, varicose veins, and for breastfeeding mothers to decrease discomfort. Chinese martial arts practitioners today, particularly in China, rely on poultices of various Chinese herbs and clay. While poultices are common in most barns and tack trunks, using poultices on dogs and not just horses is less common. Strains and sprains, particularly of joints in dogs, respond very well to poulticing and can be wrapped with something as simple as a washcloth. A poultice on the sore pads of a dog paw works very fast to reduce inflammation. I also dab poultice on tick bites using the clay as a drawing salve. I have also used a poultice on a cat 
an abscess below the ear from a cat fight, barn cat versus house cat, and the barn cat won, which healed up amazingly fast from a poultice made of clay, colloidal silver, and calendula. As fast as the poultice worked was the other interesting reaction from the cat. He never tried to rub the poultice off, either by rubbing his head against the furniture or using his monkey cat paws to clean the area. One less visit to the vet. I've also found that having clay on hand has become one of my staple go-to ingredients for a wide variety of issues, including swollen joints, bee stings, bug bites, spider bites, tick bites, sore muscles, strained muscles, and a nice relaxing facial. There is something elemental and earthy about poultices. They can be mixed with fresh herbs, coconut oil, vinegar, dried herbs, tea bag herbs, essential oils, manuka honey, colloidal silver, witch hazel, cabbage leaves, and crushed cucumber. Poultices provide an essential earth medicine that no household or barn should be without. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real food ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So here we are at Coffee Clatch, and we thought it would be fun to talk about what kind of exotic animal would you add to your family, if you could. So, Patty, we can have multiple With, exotic animals. So what, what okay. would be at the top of your list? Without a doubt, hands down, I want a chinchilla. Oh, I love that idea. Just to I just I, have that around. Just to pet it. Pet. Oof. And I'd get it, and I'd get a, uh, I would get a, a boy one, and I'd name it Lenny. <laughs> From up, up my son, then. Sorry, but I just, I just, <laughs> but I just, yeah, Lenny I want a chinchilla. chinchilla. Right? It has a ring to it. I think so, Lenny or Lenny the chinchilla. <laughs> How about you? Oh, the top of my list would be a mongoose. Really? Mm-hmm. What do mongoose do? Well, they kill snakes. And okay. I, one of my favorite stories from childhood was Ricky Tikki Tavi. Oh, yeah. And I always thought how yeah. marvelous it must be to have a little, you know, mongoose around. And a very good friend of mine who is an archaeological architect has spent a lot of time in Egypt digging and they were set up somewhere in Egypt, this camp for several months, doing an archaeological dig, and there were some wild mongooses. And he said they would, oh, wow. come, they would come into the tent, and they were babies, and they would sneak into the tent, and they would make that sound, and then they'd try to steal oh. 
So they're kind of like raccoons. Anything shiny, like they crawl into a pocket and try to take a penny or. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were just, I mean. Oh, they sound adorable. Don't they sound fun? Yeah. I'm Okay, ask me again. No, chinchillas at the top of your list, but you could add hugs after that. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to put that. That's A, and this is B. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Because I want one of them, too. Okay. How about you? Yeah, Jennifer? I couldn't decide what exotic animal I wanted, but I've always wanted to have a really amazing exotic terrarium. I find them fascinating. Oh. Because, you know, you put a lid on it and you create this little self-sustaining ecosystem inside. I've always found yeah, those that is fascinating. Cool. So what would you put in it? Well, I would definitely have to have some little tiny turtles and some little tiny, tiny frogs. And there has to be fish swimming around in the bottom. And there's got to have to be some crickets because the frogs have to eat something. Um, so they're going to have to have little insects in there. I think I'll skip the snakes, but yes, worms. Yeah, so that's, that's what I think. Yeah, I'll have insects and reptiles and worms and fish. I think that's, like, I, that's a great idea. Like, that actually sounds like something... Really kind of fun. All right, I, I'm adding that one to my list too. Yeah. But it's going to have to be, that you know, that like the, the, that TV show about the people who make the giant fish tanks on TV. Oh, I think yeah. it's called Tanked um, or something. I want those yeah, guys to yeah. make me a terrarium, so it's really like giant yeah. size. I think that would be cool. Yeah, that would be. Cool. And then Ant Man could that come and cool. visit, and he would hang out in the terrarium. I love Ant Man. <laughs> Ant Man is awesome. I love Ant Man. There we go. That's what would I, that's, that would be my exotic uh, pet or pets to my family. I think that's pretty cool. I would like to also have a red panda. Oh, Aww. yeah. Red pandas are adorable. Yeah. Oh, this, my they're kind God. Of they're oh. adorable. And I'd also like to have a fox. Yeah. Yeah, that I raised as, I a, think as a little kit. As a, as from, a, from a little kit to a big, uh-huh. big fox. Yeah. You know, I think it would be sort of fun because I think they're adorable. Is a sloth? Oh, a sloth! I mean, you cool. could literally they make me laugh. They really know, like you could make go me to the laugh. store and like put it outside, come back, and would have like moved three inches. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're just so funny. They're really funny. <laughs> and you wouldn't have to buy a whole lot of food because it takes them so long to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But they're just and so I, I kind of like their whole attitude towards life. Move slowly and enjoy life. Yeah, yeah. I think a sloth would be so cool. And what? You know, other, I think a sloth would be cool. And a capybara. Yeah. What's that? They look too much like groundhogs for me. Well, they're bigger than groundhogs. Yeah, but they're they just remind me of groundhogs. A capybara for me it, looks like a cross between a groundhog and a hippopotamus. A tiny furry hippopotamus <laughs> is what it looks like to me. They're so cute. I'm going to have to look that one up. I don't think I even know what that is. They're one from looks South like. America. Hmm. Okay. Oh, and don't forget penguins. Oh, penguins. I I yeah. want to know somebody who has penguins at their house so I can go and visit them. Because yeah, they smell like a lot. Yeah, I know. They're very smelly. I know they do. But oh, they do? Yeah. I didn't know that. But if you only had one. And... But you'd have to have three because they like to hang out with their friends. Well, they could be hanging out well, with my mongoose and my um, red panda. <laughs> yeah. And eventually my sloth would make it there. 
<laughs> I'm coming to hang out. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, it would just, I, I, I don't like the whole idea of, you know, imprisoning wild animals, but if you could raise one right. and um, semi-domesticate it, but still allow it to be who it is, um, I just think it would be a great learning experience. Oh, yeah. Having a, a lot of waddling around would be great. And you know oh, what? I think it would be, think it'd be comical. Good, good, you know, fertilizer. <laughs> There's Tigger going right back to the compost pile. Can't keep her head out of the compost pile. So Jennifer, there's no little furry cuddly. No. She's gonna have furry worms. No, no furry cuddlies. How about, how about winged? Like see, I think it would be cool to have a toucan. Oh, it would be awesome. But see, here's the thing. I have a history. Glenn very generously got me a cockatiel long time ago because I love birds. I love birds. Uh, chickens and all those kind of birds. I love birds. And he got me a cockatiel. And I was a terrible cockatiel parent. That cockatiel, what? yeah, he, he bit and he was noisy and he, you couldn't touch him. And I thought it was because mm. I had a lousy cockatiel. And when we moved, I was not able to bring my bird along because we were not allowed to have pets in our apartment that we moved to. Uh, so I gave him to a, a cherished friend. And within a week, that bird was sitting on her shoulder and eating apples. I was just a terrible parent. So I've learned from my mistakes that I'm not a good bird parent, but I can handle worms and crickets and turtles. I'd be good at that. Interesting. Know your limitations. Yes. Know your limitations. That's right. right. Well, but you know, the the birds, I had a roommate that had a African gray and that bird really didn't like me. For absolutely no reason. And then I came to realize that that African gray really loved my roommate. I mean, that was it. There was no other human being. So it really wasn't about me. It's just that that African gray looked me up and down. I went, nah. Uh -uh. And that was probably the same with the cockatiel. That it just, it wasn't anything that you did wrong. It was just not the right chemistry for that bird. Yeah. And that can happen. I mean, that can happen. It happens with horses and dogs all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's why I would like to have a toucan. And toucans are so cool looking. They are so toucan cool tiggy. looking. Toucan Tiggy. I'll come and visit your toucan, Tiggy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now, imagine, would it not be cool to be walking around the Wellington Showgrounds with a toucan on your shoulder? It, I'm sure it would. It was, yeah. Well, And the other cool thing would be to have like a hawk or a... Yeah. Really when I was young, I was right on your arm. Yeah. Nice to meet you, and nice. Hope yeah. you enjoy meeting my my hawk. Hawk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't make me angry. And oh, you can call it Hawkeye. Oh. Uh, <laughs> or Alan. <laughs> That's right. Boy, some of these people aren't going to get that one. Alan Alda played oh. Hawkeye. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they were, they're, I, our listeners are much more likely to get the Marvel Comics reference than the... Yep, yeah. yeah. I have no idea who yeah. Ant-Man is. Well, oh, you have favorite. to go watch That's Ant-Man. It's an excellent movie. Oh, it's one of my favorite Marvels. Really? Very funny. Tigger, you would laugh. Yes, it's very funny. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to 
to Star Wars because the other exotic creature I like to have is, is a, a real Wookiee. A real Wookiee. Is a real Wookiee. A Wook. Or one of those little <laughs> bird-like creatures from, or those magical fox creatures from The Last Jedi. Now, those were cool. Those, those were interesting. The The ones that were the little bird-like things. They, they were ob- me- they were just there so that they could make stuffed toys and sell them. They were useless. I they, liked them. They were cute, but they had no function. They didn't have they didn't add anything to the story. They were just there. Yeah, I was disappointed in the cute little furry things. Like if you're going to put a cute little furry thing there, give him a reason to be there. He was like a little compass. Just disappointed. <laughs> Did you hear the disdain in that? <sighs> no, yes. Tigger. It's like a fake Winnie. You know, it was a fake character. He was just there for merchandising purposes. <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> yeah, let's not go down that road. No. We won't be taking you to McDonald's for your Happy Meal. No, we'll be going yeah, to McDonald's yeah, for my yeah, Happy Meal. No. So if, like a group. If, if you all, if our listeners, if any of you have a cool exotic animal you'd like to bring into your home, please drop us a line at HealthyCrittersRadio.com or on Facebook, Healthy Critters Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at BiostarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 